0: Peter Sandine is best known for creating marketing messages that make people immediately feel, that's perfect for me. He's often called the marketer's marketer because over half of his clients are actually other marketing experts who want to see their own blind spots and make sure they're focused on what matters most. Peter, welcome to Sales Team Rescue. Thank you so much for being with us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Now, I, I want to bring you on because your name has been thrown around in the online marketing space for a long, long time for a lot of different reasons and i've seen you involved in um things that could be described as online conversion and some sales side of things in fact we met um i think initially when we both worked on a project uh from a mutual friend of ours that was based in australia or is based in australia and once i got to know you better i realized that although you can associate your skills and your superpower to all these different areas the core of what it all comes down to is message. And this is such a powerful thing because um, message is what impacts everything else. Getting your message on point makes sales easier. Getting your message on point makes training salespeople easier. Getting your message on point makes customers throw themselves at you if you really nail it, right? And so we were talking before we went live and, and you were talking about how You've had people say, "Oh, it's too good to be true to think that I could have leads or prospects coming to me already wanting what I what I have to sell." So, before we dive into that, tell me, tell us all a little bit about um, what brought you to this point in your in your journey and what what really attracted you to that messaging side of things.
1: Yeah, so I started out as a general marketing guy, and everyone knows that doesn't work. So, I, I fairly quickly made a strategic pivot. Uh, to copywriting because I I was just I was so confused, honestly about the idea because we don't have have this thing in Finland but I know that it's a major thing in many other countries that you get a sales letter, a physical mail, you read it and you buy something from a yeah. company you've never heard of, you've never thought of a product like that and you then you pay hundreds or thousands of dollars for it. It was so mind-boggling to me that I was like I need to know how that's done. Right. So I got into copywriting and and for whatever reason I was pretty good at it. And and I started to write for other marketing experts. And my my pitch for them was that we already have a sales page a very good professional sales page for this thing let me write a competing one and you just a b test them and and i get paid only and only based on how much i beat the the, the, the convert like the control i almost every time beat the control so yes. i i got fairly quickly like that that sort of solved my issue of not getting clients as a generalist because mm-hmm. that's really really hard um but yeah then i got interested in like what else the copy like what else actually makes a big difference so i went to conversion optimization which is why a lot of people still call like think that i'm into conversion stuff which is no longer my really the primary thing that i'm doing um but yeah that was really interesting and and i fortunately got picked up by another australian company uh to do a lot of these like major even fairly major companies conversion projects and I, i got to see that well we could change Anything and everything, like all the usual things of button placements and colors and forms and even the text and the copy and images and everything you can think of. But really only three things affected the sales consistently. One was who sees the marketing. Second is what are we actually offering them, is whether it's a product or service or, or some free thing or like a coupon code or whatever it is. And th- three what are we actually saying about it? Not how we say things, but what is the like what is really the deep meaning of those words? A lot of what people optimize is just which words do they use for saying the same thing? And that generally doesn't make a big difference. Just like generally changing the button color doesn't make really a difference. It makes a difference if the first button is invisible. Then making it bright, that makes a difference. Just like if the previous wording is incomprehensible, then a different way of saying the same thing that people actually understand does make a difference. But yeah, that's how I got into like uh, the messaging side, especially I focused on on the like what I call the value proposition. Now I call it a core value message just to separate it from the typical idea of what a value proposition is because people think of it as a very, this sort of impractical internal tool that you use for like, well, this is the value people get from us. And I, I, I mean, it's useful for like board meetings and, and a lot of things, right. but- it's like you don't do marketing based on that. It, you can't just copy-paste it into marketing and expect that to work. Whereas what I wanted to figure out and what I want to boil it down to is like, say these things and people want, like they want to know more. Like obviously in two seconds, you don't make people say like, yes, I buy. <laughs> but but you can make people feel that like, wow, like that's what I want. Like that's exactly what I've hoped I would find, even if I didn't know it, exi- it exists. Yeah. Or that's the version of what I've been looking at that I actually want, that the competing options are not very good. Um, But yeah, that's what I focused on exclusively for a long time. And then, then started to do more and more of also the, like, how do you target the right people? And how do you optimize your offer? So that it's, it's a very easy thing for them to buy. And ultimately, like the goal is that you're not trying to convince people to buy something they don't actually want, But rather, you have people who want what you're offering, it feels right for them, and then you just present it to them instead of trying to manipulate them into thinking it's a good thing. Which might be true. That's not the point. I assume most people here are selling good things. But there's still a difference. Are you convincing people
0: to buy something they don't want
1: or just letting people buy something they actually want?
0: Gotcha. So, So when you talk about messaging, so my mind instantly goes to copywriting. But messaging is more than just the actual words, as far as being written on a web page or a piece of paper. Um, it, it's also in how you speak day in and day out with throughout your team. Um, when you're, we talked a little a few weeks ago about training a sales team, and how strong your message has to be. So let's, let's talk a little, little bit about that on, um, like messaging beyond the page. Yeah. What what is. If I'm, if I'm, let's just say uh, we've got my company, I've got a small team, but I need everybody on, on the same page as me. Um, what are some things that I can do? Because then you, you talked about, uh, you know, the value proposition is like, you know, that sits there somewhere next to the mission statement and the business plan that never gets opened on the shelf, right? But when you talk about the core, the core value, what does that look like internally to a company? Um, before they ever get, you know, how do we say this to the customer? But how do they communicate that message internally to themselves and to their teams?
1: Um, Well, first, one distinction that people often trip up on, which is you sort of combined already two different things. And this is a very common, I mean, it's not a mistake, but it's just, it's harder to grasp the whole thing when you'd have them uh, in this one way. Um, Just one moment. I notice I have... uh, all right, my, I look a little less less red now. Yeah. So um, so one thing is we can simplify it down to the copy. Like, what is it that you actually say? Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side of how you say it, the style of the communication. Mm-hmm. Um, I do help people with that, but that's not my primary thing. Uh, but I separate them out just for clarity, not because they wouldn't be very important, but for clarity. Mm-hmm. So about the style, just a couple of comments, just make it consistent that's sort of the key thing uh, and the secondary thing is make it fit your company so that it's natural so if you're if you sell something fairly like lighthearted, then don't try to be super prestigious and powerful and like really fact-driven and like like no like it, it's a very weird mix yeah.
0: my coffee um, is not going to improve your conversion rate but the coffee inside might help you sell more
1: <laughs> yeah like think of like what style actually fits for you and, and pick a couple of things, like a couple of uh, keywords there that, that really drive and make everyone understand what it means in practice that if you're supposed to be lighthearted, then be lighthearted, like use humor everywhere. Don't pressure people just like, I mean, it has to expand everywhere. Like that's the style side of messaging or communication. And then the other side is you can boil it down to just copy what are the actual words and how I like with clients, do things is that like we boil down the things that you need to say into three points and each point can be sentence or two it is just well this is the one idea you need to communicate it can be a very very simple thing or it can be a little more complex but it is still just one point to make how you say it obviously depends on where you say it if you have a google ad you're not going to have a lot of words to use so it's it's super simplified version of it whereas if you have a sales page or a sales meeting you can spend an hour talking about that one point. So how you end up expressing it does change depending on context, but having it written down, like these are the things that we primarily point to helps a huge amount. Uh, Obviously, if you do one-on-one sales, then yeah, you're supposed to listen to what the the guy on the other end actually is asking for and like modify your message. Like that's what one-on-one sales are about. But having some like cornerstone ideas that, most of the people you'll talk to will be very very attracted to or very compelled by makes a huge difference so once you have the message boiled down to like well these are the things that you should always bring up if people if the person you're talking to is like well i don't care about that then okay then you skip it that's fine but you should at least test them and most of the time those will be the ones that make people like nod their heads and be like tell me more like that that sounds awesome. How much, how, like, just tell me where to sign. Yeah. Like that's sort of what we're aiming for. And obviously that's the best case scenario. And it, it doesn't always go like that. If you're selling, I mean, enterprise stuff, like there's going to be like 17 people you need to convince. And every one of them needs to be convinced slightly differently. And I mean, it's a nightmare for, well, like from my perspective, enterprise sales is like, I don't want to ever do that myself, <laughs> but like, once you have the message, it, it's something you can build around everything, especially the initial contacts. And everyone, like this is something I think a lot of salespeople uh, sort of dismiss because they can just call again. And they often just expect that they need to call 75 times, like call people into submission. <laughs> that they, they agree to have the meeting just so that you stop calling them. But like, how much of a difference does it make if the, the guy on the other end or the woman on the other end goes like, oh, that sounds really good tell tell me more, like we've been looking for something like this, or if they go like ah, it, i- guess, I guess that sounds sort of valuable i i I'm sure it's pretty good, uh but not right now. I mean you can sort of beat your way through that right, right yeah. <laughs> but what are the conversion rates like it, it's, it's miserable. Like I, I haven't heard of any sales plan, and I'm sure there's an exception somewhere a sales guy who's like, no, no, I love to convince people who hate that I'm calling them. <laughs> but generally, it's a lot easier, and people have a lot more fun, and the sales are way better when you can create that feeling of like, oh, that actually sounds really good. Like, tell me more. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I do have five minutes now. <laughs> or like, yeah, I, I'll, I'll make the 10 minutes here right. right now because I want, like, this is a thing I want right now. Um,
0: yeah. and so from the messaging side, so this can be different then, but usually translates directly into the offer itself, right? Like we're, yep. we're, we're not, we're, we're, I mean, part of what we're talking about is the message is coming down within a company, but that core offer, um, I was actually going to title this episode, something like making a seductive offer, because I know that really, really lands um, in that space. But can you give the audience uh, a few tips to think about when – actually, let me back up. When I'm coaching people, um, I'm finding, like, if you've just got a second to say something, like, you've got one line. Some people call it the elevator pitch. Um, I just want something that's a sentence that's enough to grab somebody's attention that will make them go, oh, because that's all you need. Mm-hmm. But getting it right is so important. So can you give the audience uh, one or two or three tips – when it comes to like, what's a formula or structure that they can use when crafting the offer component or the hook, if you will, um, in that message to, to capture somebody's attention quickly.
1: So that's a slightly different use case. But how I always approach that specific one is that you you come up with a sentence that is is essentially, uh, we help these sorts of people get this. Right. That's it. That's it. Um, It can have like some extensions, like we help, it can also be like, uh, well, I help people get this result without this sort of pain. I mean, but that's it. Like, that's all you need to say if you know your target customer well enough. And that's the key thing here. Um, I don't know if you were going to ask anyway, but like, this is a fairly important distinction in what makes the message work is that we're not looking at like the target customer, we're not defining it based on what, it, what they look like to the outside world, but rather how do they see what we are offering them. And once you understand, and once you're specifically selecting people based on how they view things, then you can select them so that if you say that one sentence, they'll be like, oh, that's awesome. Like, tell me more. Like it works in every networking event ever because <laughs> right. you can just walk around and basically say like, hi, we do this. If they don't be like, oh, tell me more, then you're like, you don't seem very interested. Bye. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not very good at networking, as you might say, but <laughs> but like that, that approach works yeah, if yeah. you know their perspective to what you're offering. And that's something that a lot of people don't, even though they've done a hundred different exercises on target customers, but they're all 90% just what do these people look like to you, which is Pretty much irrelevant once you're talking with them. It's important when you're looking for them for where do you put your ads or what sort of a list do you buy so you have people to call. Like, yeah, it's important. I'm not dismissing it, but selecting people within that category based on how they are, like how do they perceive their situation, what are their actual pain points, what are they doing now, what are their goals, and and all that makes I would argue at least as big of a difference to your results and. Very few companies truly do that. Uh, I don't really know why. I guess it's just not part of the like traditional sales and and business training. So a lot of people don't end up doing it. But
0: so, so what can you share that would help people? Like it, this makes total sense to me. And anyone watching this, yeah. I'm hoping they're going, duh. But yeah. in but the what event, to
1: actually do. So right, right. let's turn this practical.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So yeah.
1: So. so that. A couple of things. So one about the target customer. Uh, ask or well, ask yourself and answer the question of what is the pain they have, this general group of people, what is a common pain they have, an acute pain that they are truly troubled by. Yeah. Not one that you can convince them to think is a problem, but one is one that they're already having nightmares about. You that mind? you somehow solve. It doesn't have to be a perfect solution, but like just think of all those things, all those pains that they have. Not everyone will have those pains, but at least many of those people have. And it has to be then out of all those, select the one that they will most easily believe your offer is a solution to.
0: Oh, Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Makes a very simple, like it's a very simple thing. I mean, it's not easy to do necessarily. Like Most companies need a lot of help to it, but it's a simple thing to do. So what are the pains they have, things they are actually pained by that you can somehow meaningfully help with. And then out of those, select the ones that are one or two that you think they will most easily believe you can solve. So not the most important, not the most invaluable, not the one that you're the only one to solve, not the one that makes you look good, forget all that. Just what is the one they will most easily believe? Because now we're looking for how do, you, how do you get them to be like, oh, tell me more. You don't need to talk about the biggest problem for the company. You need to talk about the problem that's waking up this guy in the middle of the night.
0: <laughs> huh? Okay. So that's an important distinction for me. Cause I often get people really fired up about, you know, how they can solve a problem and, you know, it's like, it's kind of, uh, if you've ever read Grant Cardone's book, be obsessed or be average. And so like, sometimes it's like, you want to be unreasonable, like, you know, but, but sometimes it just gets frustrating and you don't move the needle forward. Yeah. And so, if you take a step back and say, which one of these are they gonna believe I'm most likely, or most likely to believe that I can help with? Man, that makes it so much easier. And like yeah. and, and You this can study. get to all
1: the other stuff later. Yeah. You're just looking for that initial, oh, tell me more. And right. that should be happening immediately, because it's very hard to convince someone to start listening to you if they already decided they shouldn't listen to you. Right. So That that can help a lot.
0: So so I want to dig deeper now because I'm all all fired up. Um, So if you're going into, let's just say you're going into a group of of people to network and you've got a few different problems that you know they have. So is there a way, I'm just asking for shortcuts now. (laughs) Um, is, Is there a way that you've seen that makes it easier to figure out for a specific person which one is something they're more likely to believe you that you can solve, or is it that is it is it for the entire target market, like this market I can solve these three problems for the target market, but in general, they're most likely to believe that I can solve this problem
1: uh, pretty hard. um obviously, if you're really good at your job, you can start to create this sense of like, well, Or it can be even data-driven that like, well, if I know that this individual works in this sort of company, in this industry, they've been in their job position for three weeks as opposed to three years, they probably have this problem and that's the one they are like pained by. Yeah. Uh, But there isn't really a shortcut to it. It's more like, well, either you just create the sixth sense for it or you dig through a lot of data or it can be fairly simple data. It can be that if you narrow it down to, let's say 10 different things that you solve and you think generally people will fairly easily believe Mm -hmm. then, well, okay. Three of them are things only people in a, like in a new position, like they've just been hired only they have this or only in a new company or a growing company or a company that just acquired other businesses or a company that sells B2B as opposed to B2C. Like you can find these like, Things that, that make it easier to pick, um, but it's there's not not a single way to do it. It's rather you just need to think of well, how would we know? Like who who has this pain and who doesn't? How is there any clear distinctions? But gotcha. no shortcuts.
0: Get gotcha. yeah, it? It's worth a shot. <laughs> also, but but uh, yeah, I think that's really powerful. Um, I'm just I, I sometimes I get excited about what might seem to be simple things, but.
1: That it's is the simple things that usually make the biggest difference. It really is. I mean, we can dig super deep into all sorts of theory, but how many people are gonna do that? Like, sure, if they then hire us, yeah, we can like we can do all the math and like all that. But like what really usually makes the difference is the simple thing. Like think this way. Mm. like, whoa. So yeah. Yes. Another thing that can help similarly is about the offer. So Most people, I assume, already sell that something that works well. So I'm not arguing about that. I'm not saying make your offer better or make your product better or service better. I'm saying make it something that looks more appealing. And a a quick way to do that or, or a quick, practical, simple thing to do, again, not necessarily easy, but simple thing, is to ask, well, what would make people's objections and excuses make them feel dumb? So what can you do to your offer so that if people still say this specific objection they will feel like an idiot. So for example if they if you sell something for a company and they they tend to say that well it's too expensive it doesn't like we don't think there's a positive ROI then change your offer I mean this doesn't always work but try can you change your offer so that there's a guarantee that they pay nothing until the certain milestone is reached within a certain time period. And if you don't reach that, you actually pay them. I mean, that's a fairly expe- like that's an extreme example, but I'm just trying to make the point here. Yeah. If you say that, that it, we, we do all the work for you. If we don't reach this result by this day, you don't pay anything and we pay you this month. They would feel like idiots to say, we're not sure there's the ROI. right? that's the point and and you you don't have to go that nuclear like that's really the nuclear option but like it can be much simpler things often like if they say that well we don't have time to do this thing maybe you just offer them a version that where you do all of that maybe it's a technical implementation like never even talk about technical implementation you just mention somewhere that we handle all the tech stuff so your tech guys don't need to do anything like we have one one hour call with them just to check a few things and we do everything else i mean Again, I don't know if that's always viable and you can't get rid of all objections and all excuses ever, but it's a, I'm amazed by how many companies never do this. They never really think through how could we make it so that this objection never needs to come up as opposed to how, what, do we, what do we do once this objection comes up? Every sales guy has a long list of like, well, when they say this, say these things. Well, what if we make it so they never have a reason to say that thing? Right. It's a lot easier to get rid of objections before people think of them um, rather than after the fact. But I'm not saying you need to do that with every objection and every excuse, because a lot of those are really about your messaging isn't making people want it. So mm-hmm. they come up with a reason to say no, that isn't just I don't want it. Because right. for some people don't like don't like saying that. I'm not sure why. It's, I think it's more helpful to say that like, thanks, but I'm not interested in this service. Right. <clears throat> yeah, like change the service, and then I can be interested. Don't try mm-hmm. to convince me to buy this because I don't want it. <laughs> like, right. I do that, but most people don't, and then they just they come up with like, well, it's too expensive. I'm like usually it's not too expensive. They just don't want it enough, or they don't trust it enough, or they don't see that it would really work for them, or whatever.
0: That, that, you know, that's a really interesting distinction from the buying perspective as well. Um, when somebody gives you an offer and it doesn't add up for you, instead of just saying, no. Yeah. Well, if it looked like this, then I, we could talk.
1: Yeah. And help them. Yeah, that, that's interesting ah. too. Huh. That's a good question in sales process. If people are, if they are not just flat out, no. Right. If they are like, ah, sorry, but not quite. Then ask, mm-hmm. like, what would need to change so that it would be a hell yes? Like, what would make you excited about this? I mean, not everyone is going to be happy to answer, but a few people might, and they might be like, well, if you could do this and this, and then you'd be like, sure, it's going to cost a little more, but yeah, we do that. I just didn't realize I need to offer you. Do you want it? (laughs) Like, it happens, but more importantly, if they say even one thing that like, well, if it would do this thing, or if it was this sort of thing, then you know that like, You're not asking what would convince them to buy. You're asking specifically what would make them excited to buy. What would make Mm -hmm. them like, oh, yes, like this is amazing. And that's an important distinction because people can come up, they again, they will come up with excuses. Like, well, if it was a little cheaper or if it was a little faster or like if it had this tiny more feature or whatever, Mm -hmm. tend to like those usually don't make any difference, even if you add those features or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you get people to say that, like what would make them really excited, then, like, they don't usually know, and they don't usually say anything to it. But yeah. it's the one out of a hundred that will completely like revolutionize your business, because they say that one thing you never thought, and you can yeah. easily do, and that will make a difference. So, it's a helpful question.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, Peter, look, I want to jump into the lightning round. This is there's been so many gold nuggets, um, and this is what I consider to be the funnest part, maybe, because I'm asking the questions and you're in your them. <laughs> but we try to have a little fun here. Uh, and make sure that people get to know a little bit more about you as a person. So, uh, as you know, coffee is for closers. What is your favorite kind of coffee or comparable drink?
1: Uh, I would have to go with matcha tea. But I drink a lot more coffee. Uh, Nespresso's. Specifically, Cavasino, the But they don't sell that anymore. It was a limited edition one.
0: Oh, now you're going to go look for it.
1: <laughs> well, they do now have, a, at least here in Finland, they sell something called Nordic Selection, which has this almond cake or something, which is very similar and very, very good too.
0: Oh, okay. Noted. Awesome. Um, what's the number one book or movie that you would recommend to, I've got sales reps or sales leaders, but you can modify that as appropriate for your normal audience
1: um well professionally i think everyone should read uh robert Cialdini's books uh, influence and persuasion uh, both of those uh but more on a personal level which actually does all like this will also make a big difference business wise is it's called mapping cloud nine by Stephen kotler it's i think only an audiobook but it is if you've never listened to an audiobook like make an exception for this one it's a uh, it's about the intersection between high performance and spirituality, which is like it's it's super super logical and scientific. There's no like, I mean, I think he calls God the uh, sky daddy or something. Like he he like if you don't like to take it a little yeah. lighthearted, like don't yeah. read it. But like if you're okay with the like super scientific viewpoint, it's really interesting.
0: Interesting. Okay. Cool. Uh, what? I- or sorry, who's someone that you consider to be? mentor in your life?
1: In my life? Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> a cop-out answer to some degree, but I would have to say my wife, because she's the one that I learned the most from and because of.
0: That's, that's not a cop-out answer. That's a smart answer. because <laughs> If you let her know that you said that on a live interview, you'll be good for at least a week. <laughs>
1: True. <laughs> smart. I've been married
0: for a while, so I'm getting good at this. See, Peter's got his messaging down pat. <laughs> I love it. What's the strangest thing you do in your daily routine to stay on your game?
1: Strangest. Um, Going bouldering four times a week, which is a form of climbing. I don't know if that's the strangest. The strangest new thing that I'm not 100% convinced yet is uh, this gadget called Apollo. It's this wrist thing that it's based on. I mean, again, I'm not convinced yet, but it seems to work about as magically as they claim it does. It basically helps with getting to sleep or being focused or relaxing or... I mean, it, it, it may be 100% placebo, but I don't care because it seems to work <laughs> right? like a charm. Yeah. But yeah, that would be probably the weirdest thing. Okay, okay, cool,
0: cool. So, Peter, you've got something you want to give our viewers slash listeners today. Tell us about this uh, This. I'll let you describe it
1: all right so it's a, a two-page PDF uh, that describes a very simple exercise with just a few steps it's been a while but I think five steps but anyway just very few steps you can do it in minutes or I mean five ten minutes and what it helps you do is just evaluate how good your current ideas for messaging is or like how good how likely are they to make people lean in and be like yeah tell me more that sounds great versus just not get too interested in it. Uh, a lot of people who have been in business for a long time have found it brutally honest and quite revealing so if you're not up for it don't do it you don't actually try uh, but yeah it, it's a very quick thing couple pages and and just helps you get a little more objective about things
0: gotcha so if you're if if your sales and your clients' priorities are more important than your ego go to peterandine.com slash value and, uh, and and check this out um, I think this is a, a huge value because uh, often we get so stuck in what we think is going to work, we don't take the time to test. And sometimes this external filter, as you know, as, as simple as the process might be, it's a process that most people don't go through. Yep. And so, to be able to run your offer, your messaging through this filter, um, I think is going to be a, make a big difference for a lot of people, whether they're sales managers, sales reps, or you know, CEO trying to get the message tight to describe to their own internal um, team. So. Yep. Peter, thank you so much. Uh, guys, once again, that was petersandine.com forward slash value. And Peter, to learn more about you, petersandine.com? Yep,
1: yeah, that's good.
0: Awesome. Love it. Love it. All right, guys. Well, once again, I'm, I've i been hanging here with Peter Sandine, the marketer's marketer. Man, we'll get your name on the screen here just for for make, to make it fancy. Um, and guys, this has been episode number 42 of Sales Team Rescue. Remember, if you want to see this replay, previous replays or upcoming shows, go to salesteamrescue.com. And we will see you next Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Same bad time, same bad channel. Cheers. Thanks so much, Peter. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for joining me. Let's keep the conversation going. You can find more episodes and a link to join our online community over at salesteamrescue.com. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe and give the show a review to help us reach more sales leaders like you. If you'd like our support in creating your own high-performance sales team, book a call with us at salesteamrescue.com.